This is News Source 1 Michiana. Your balanced source of news for the community. Welcome to Michiana Speak Out with Keith Thews. An interactive podcast where we can talk to you or you can speak to us. The show begins right after the national news. News Nation This Hour, I'm Vic Vaughn. President Biden addressed 200 other world leaders this morning at a U.N. climate convention in Scotland. Today I'm releasing the U.S. long-term strategy, which presents a vision of achieving the United States' goal of net-zero emissions economy-wide by no later than 2050. The strategies at WhiteHouse.gov, the leaders trying to reach a deal that would put the world back on track to meet climate goals set in Paris, Russia and China, were no-shows. A CDC advisory committee meets tomorrow for talks on Pfizer's pediatric COVID-19 vaccine for kids aged 5 to 11. CDC Director Rochelle Walensky. Following the committee's meeting and votes on vaccine recommendations, CDC will release its recommendations for vaccination of children 5 to 11. The administration says if the vaccine's approved, it'll be available immediately to all 28 million eligible kids at doctor's offices, hospitals, and school and community-based clinics. Walensky says a CDC study of two 2,000 kids showed no severe side effects. A decision on Moderna's COVID-19 vaccine for 12 to 17-year-olds has been delayed. U.S. regulators are studying a rare risk of heart inflammation. The U.S. Supreme Court's hearing arguments today in cases that challenge a state law that's virtually ended abortions in Texas, banning them after six weeks of pregnancy. The AP's Julie Walker reports. The law has an unusual enforcement scheme. Its defenders argue shield it from federal court review. In neither case is the constitutionality of the law directly at issue. But the motivation for both lawsuits is that the Texas ban conflicts with landmark Supreme Court rulings that prevent a state from banning abortion early in pregnancy. The high court set to hear a separate challenge December 1st to decisions made in Roe v. Wade. Jury selection has begun in the trial of a man accused of killing two people during a violent night of justice protests last year. The AP's Mike Hempen reports. 18-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse faces life in prison if he's convicted of first-degree homicide, one of several charges against him. He's accused of shooting three people in Kenosha, Wisconsin in August of last year during protests that broke out after a white police officer shot Jacob Blake, a black man. The trial's expected to last two or three weeks. Find News Nation on your cable or satellite provider and stay up to date around the clock at NewsNationNow.com and the News Nation Now app. I'm Vic Vaughn. That was the news from News Nation. How are you doing out there? Happy Monday. It is the 1st of November 2021. Boy, was my friend's house slammed with trick-or-treaters yesterday. Neighbors and my friends estimate that it was at least over 100. My friends kept warning me, you know, we gotta get more candy, gotta get more candy, gotta get more candy. I'm thinking, man, I thought I had enough. Well, I didn't have enough going out. Had to go get some more from Walgreens. Got a special deal, had to join their membership club. Went and got the candy, got ready, got our good friend Seamus Sproul to help out. And played music for Fishers and Men live on Facebook and ran out of candy. Man, I tell you. Um, went down to the dollar store in Elkhart and, or Family Dollar and found out it wasn't open. 
had to run to the Kroger's and then race back for the last part of the of the trick-or-treating Elkhart and I have to say Jackson Boulevard was just loaded with trick-or-treaters and uh, I was sending them over to Bethel Methodist Church hope you got a chance to uh, take part in the trunk-or-treat but man I tell you people would probably act like it's Mardi Gras after COVID that's for sure well on our cooler forecast get ready might have some a flurry or two tomorrow according to the weather channel so bundle up temperatures are going to be in the 40s lows down closer to freezing and we might see our first flurries according to the weather channel so it's here folks that dreaded s word s-n-o-w it's coming coming fast well we're going to be having a more serious topic on our program for New Source One Michiana. We're talking about the water crisis in Benton Harbor, Michigan. Yes, we're all aware of it. And we ask that you please help donate to the cause. There's a number of organizations uh, that are collecting and churches that are giving away, and it seems like they just can't get a break. Now, the situation up there is a bit different than the Flint. Uh, obviously, they were going criminal prosecutions against the folks up in Flint, Michigan. But this is a water crisis that had a little bit more warning from what I've heard in, in Channel 16 and 22. But it still is a mess up there. And people are sick and tired of it. I can imagine if, if Elkhart, where we're from, you know, had this situation, we'd be jumping down Mayor Roberson, you know, in the same way that they are up there for, for the mayor up in Benton Harbor, Michigan. And so, um, got a couple of articles, one from the PBS, very recent, this last week, and then from 13 on your side. So we have a couple of uh, articles to focus on. And then this morning, because up at our new workplace for Lippert, we do not have hardly an internet signal at all. Didn't have a morning news podcast and a morning news show today. Um, so we're going to bring you the Black Information Network update and then wrap it up with Happy and Whole and Him. And big announcement, Paul Harvey. Yes, we're going to be bringing back the Paul Harvey stories to our morning show and to the afternoon program here for Michiana Speak Out. So get ready. It is coming back. Paul Harvey is part of our old sister station of Easy Michiana, the old easy listening station uh, that we used to have that ended rather unexpectedly in late June. And uh, so we are bringing it back over here to New Source One, Michiana. So when we come back, we're going to have the two articles through YouTube um, from the audio from PBS NewsHour and from 13 on your side. All coming up. Bundle up, guys. The cold weather's here and the flurries are about to start flying. This is Keith Thews. You're listening to New Source One's Michiana's Afternoon Show, Michiana Speak Out. 
When I was little, I didn't talk for a long time. I liked things to always be the same. Anything new or different would scare and upset me. I was very sensitive to lights and sounds. It was almost like I had bigger eyes and ears than everyone else. So I built secret hiding places where nothing could get in. I didn't like looking people in the eye. It made me feel uncomfortable. I'd throw big tantrums over little things like when my socks didn't match. Sometimes I'd do the same things over and over. Until one day, I found out I had autism. My family got me help. Slowly, I learned how to live with it better. You can see signs of autism in children as young as 18 months. Early intervention can make a lifetime of difference. Learn the signs at autismspeaks.org slash signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. If you served honorably in our nation's armed forces and you're looking for a way to continue serving your fellow veterans in your community, then join AMVETS. Each year, AMVETS members volunteer millions of hours at VA healthcare facilities from coast to coast, helping to improve the lives of their fellow veterans through the VA Voluntary Services Program. AMVETS posts and departments also participate in a wide variety of community service projects, ranging from Americanism in our schools to supporting the Special Olympics and Boy Scouts of America. If you no longer wear the uniform today, you can still serve through the AMVETS by joining today at AMVETS.org. As Congress debates a massive bill to overhaul the nation's physical infrastructure, one Michigan city is an example of how badly help is needed and how communities of color are often the last to receive it. John Yang traveled to Benton Harbor, where the water is undrinkable and residents' anger is at a boiling point. For the people of Benton Harbor, Michigan, a new morning routine. To make a pot of coffee or brush their teeth, they need to get their hands on bottled water. Earlier this month, state officials told them not to drink or cook with tap water because of high levels of lead. So the state health department is delivering truckloads of bottled water to this small city on the shores of Lake Michigan. Sharita Bynum and her two-year-old granddaughter Kinsley got into line an hour and a half before distribution started. I, I, I never imagined it, you know. I didn't think it was as serious, but it is. It smelled real funny. Sometimes it just come out brown. Benton Harbor native Carmela Patton grew up drinking the tap water. But a few years ago, she began to sense that something wasn't right. A couple of times I got out of the tub, out of shower, on the itch real bad like constant itches. Last year, Patton had her water tested and found it contained more than 100 parts per billion of lead. Federal regulations say action must be taken after readings of just 15 parts per billion. Patton uses a filter in her faucet provided by the state. But now state health officials warn that current lead levels may be too high for the filters to work. For Patton, it's all prompted questions, like about one of her daughter's developmental difficulties. I grew up off the water. I raised her, my 19-year-old, off the water. And I wonder now, because I've been looking and reading, is that why she got delays? Is she got her issues going on? The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention says lead is harmful at any level, especially in children, because it can slow growth and result in learning and behavior problems. How does that make you feel? I feel stupid. I feel stupid. But then again, I don't. It just feel like I can't trust the, the state. I don't trust my mayor because 
You said three years, you knew this, but you never introduced us to it. Benton Harbor residents like Patton might never have known the water isn't safe if not for the Reverend Edward Pinckney. In 2018, he sent the water sample for testing that first revealed high lead levels. Since then, six consecutive sets of tests conducted by the state have shown excessively high levels in some Benton Harbor homes. It went on for three years of silence. Pinckney contends local officials ignored the problem. That's what hurts me more than anything else. After one year, after one year, you should have done something. You should have told this community that the water was bad. Pinckney and his grassroots group, the Benton Harbor Community Water Council, have been distributing bottled water since 2019. In September, they asked the Federal Environmental Protection Agency to take emergency action. About a month later, the state issued its warning. They had no concern uh, about the community. If we had not done it, then they would not have done it themselves. We were doing what we could with what we had as resources. Benton Harbor Mayor Marcus Muhammad says the city doesn't have the resources to deal with the problem all by itself. It needs the state help that Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer has pledged. You know, a small city like Benton Harbor, you know, kind of got lost in translation from my perspective. So we're at the behest and the mercy of the state. Elizabeth Hertel, Michigan's Director of Health and Human Services, acknowledges residents' complaints that they were left in the dark for too long. We need to continue to work at how and when we're communicating. I think the only way to repair that lack of trust is if you continue to show up. At times, Mary Alice Adams couldn't use the water to wash hair in the salon she yeah. ran in her home before the pandemic. I'm not sure what this is. She's been a city commissioner for 10 years and blames city and state officials for failing to spot the problem on their own and to alert residents once it was detected. I was getting very angry about it because our residents, you know, but I didn't know the magnitude of it because I kept, again, asking. We need somebody to educate us on what these things mean. We have elderly people in the community that don't understand what a per part per billion is. The crisis in Benton Harbor has echoes of another case of lead-tainted water coming out of the faucets of a poor, majority black Michigan city. The state reached a $600 million settlement with the residents of Flint for its role in that city's lead crisis, which emerged in 2014. This is Candace. Adam's daughter grew up both in Flint and Benton Harbor. My baby being epileptic, I didn't know that it could actually do greater harm with a condition like that. And her between Flint and here, she was like getting a double portion of lead. Adam still wonders whether lead might have played a role in her daughter's death in 2018. It's sad when you watch a child take all of these different types of medications, praying that they would get better, and then drinking water, bathing in water, brushing your teeth in water, to think that lead on top of the medications caused their even graver suffering. It's sad to watch a child and can do nothing about it. For many in Benton Harbor, the current water problems are just the latest case of their city being left high and dry. After decades of disinvestment and government neglect, the schools are struggling, crime is high, and nearly half the population lives in poverty.
but take the short drive across a river to the neighboring city of St. Joseph, and it's a stark contrast. A majority white city with a thriving downtown and safe drinking water. When you talk about St. Joseph, Michigan, and Benton Harbor, Michigan, you're talking about two different worlds. Pickney points to a long history of manufacturing decline and so-called white flight that's left Benton Harbor struggling with few resources and a crumbling infrastructure. That history may be why outrage seems common among Benton Harbor residents, but surprise does not. Environmental racism right here. We're looking at it. Look around you. And now I always talk about how different things would be if, if it was a white community. You know, they'll call in the Army, FEMA, Joe Biden will be here. You know, all this would happen, but by being a black neighborhood, they really don't care. Meanwhile, residents like Carmela Patton are still paying for water they can't drink. And on a call down there, starting with the city manager, called them, why are we paying for bad water? Nobody returned a phone call, email, or anything. And the bills is pretty high. Meanwhile, Benton Harbor is racing to replace all 6,000 of its lead service pipes in the next 18 months. It's a project that will cost some $30 million. The state and the EPA have both stepped in to help pay for it. State Health Director Elizabeth Hertel says it's about time. Our water infrastructure in Michigan and across the country has been woefully neglected. So while these are the two communities that we've seen it thus far, I do not believe that these will be the only communities in the state of Michigan or across the country where we're going to see this. But for those stuck with water they can't drink, it's not fast enough. I mean, if you want to take a bath, then you pray over it and you do what you got to do. But at the same time, are y'all bathing in it? What is your water like? In the meantime, the people of Benton Harbor continue oh, you know. to pay the price. For the PBS NewsHour, I'm John Yang in Benton Harbor, Michigan. It is not only about having safe water, but the efforts in Grand Rapids tonight to help the people in Benton Harbor who can't drink their tap water because it's contaminated with lead. 13 on your side's Andrea Flores is here now with details. Juliet, two local organizations are collecting bottled water and gallons of water for the rest of the month to add to the efforts in Benton Harbor to make sure people have what they need. There's nothing like the like such a time as this for us to be able to come together to collaborate. Even on rainy days, First Community AME Church hopes people come by and support their water collection drive to help Button Harbor. There is a crisis that's affecting all populations, but especially uh, the brown and black uh, communities, and we can't afford to wait any longer. So far, they've collected a couple cases and gallons, and Reverend Dr. Willie Golston wants to see that grow before they pack up their trucks and head south to their sister church. There's never enough. Uh, granted, we don't know how long this crisis is going to last, uh, and we don't want anybody to be in need. It absolutely affects your health. The Grand Rapids African American Health Institute is teaming up with the church as both a drop-off site and advocate for everyone's well-being in Benton Harbor. Mykeisha Plesko with the Health Institute says it's more than just having a drink of water. It affects 
how you're going to live moving forward, um, going to school, um, being able to take care of your little ones if you do have little ones at home, and also the elderly population. It's an effort they hope reaches underserved communities in particular. They are being hit harder um, because of some of the other disparities that is, um, that is occurring. And they plan to continue collecting bottled water after their first drop-off through November. Let's just continue to uh, have, have open, open hands uh, as a reach out and care for others in this time of crisis. And it's always good to know that you're not in this thing alone. Both the Health Institute and Church are also raising money to buy bottled water. You can find the information of where to donate cash and bottled water on our website, 13onyourside.com. Juliet. Andrea, thank you. The average time a resume spends on an HR manager's desk is seven seconds, and most of them are tossed aside. Now imagine if one of those resumes belonged to Yasmin, who was living in a shelter, juggling three jobs. I had to be resilient. That's something that you can't teach. Or if that resume was from someone who worked 12 hour shifts at the recycling company with my dad, who's 72. That taught me a work ethic that I carry with me every day. We rely so much on a resume, yet it could never tell the full story of someone growing up where I did, a lot of things could have gotten in the way of my goals, but I learned to push through, and that's what I bring to work every day. So maybe it's time we look beyond the resume and look to grads of life. Discover new ways to develop great talent that are so much more than what's on paper at gradsoflife.org. A public service announcement brought to you by Grads of Life and the Ad Council. Information Network. This is the BIN Daily Update. I'm Vanessa Tyler. And I'm Terry McCready on your home for 24-7 News, the Black Information Network. No. Those agonizing screams coming from Timothy Williams, who was just kicked in the head while he was already face down on the ground. Body cam footage from 2020 show Monroe, Louisiana cop Jared Desidere running up and it appears kicking the black man's head like it was a soccer ball. The now former cop has just been indicted by a federal grand jury for unjustified force and for trying to cover it up. Desidere faces up to 30 years in prison. The FDA is authorizing the Pfizer coronavirus vaccine for use in younger children. The health agency signing off on the shots that are designed for children between the ages of 5 and 11. The CDC still needs to weigh in before kids can officially roll up their sleeves. An advisory committee is meeting in days to discuss the vaccine. About 28 million children will be eligible once the shots get approved. I'm Javita Moore. At Channel 2 Action News, we focus on stories that make a difference in your life. The bright, intelligent, beautiful news anchor of WSB-TV, Jovita Moore, has passed away. The African-American newswoman, the face so many watched nightly in the Atlanta, Georgia area since 1998. She was a mother of three and trusted journalist. She tried to beat it, but it was a battle with brain cancer she could not win. Jovita Moore 
was 53 years old. The horrible practice of slavery still exists in never-ending form in Mali, and the UN says it's time to put a stop to it. It's hereditary slavery. The way it works, people are still forced to work without pay for families that enslaved their ancestors. The law in Mali does not criminalize it, although it was outlawed. Those who brutally force people to work as slaves are rarely held accountable. Recently, those enslaved have been attacked. One man was killed. It wasn't such a great role out for Nigeria's digital currency. Reports from the site Quartz Africa are the start of Nigeria's central bank's e-Naira was off to an embarrassing beginning. There were also such poor reviews of the Android version of the app that it was taken down two days after its launch. A black woman receives the German Peace Prize for the first time ever. She is Zimbabwean author and filmmaker Cece Dangaremba. Because of them we can.com says she is a voice in her country. The 62-year-old is also an activist. All why the German Book Trade Association gave her such an honor. The solution is to undo the racialized and other hierarchical modes of thinking based on demographics such as gender, sex, religion, nationality, and class. For more on these stories and international, national, state, and local news affecting the black community, Listen to the Black Information Network on the iHeartRadio app or log on to BINnews.com. I'm Vanessa Tyler with Terry McCready on your home for 24-7 News, the Black Information Network. This episode is brought to you by NASCAR. Watch the NASCAR championship race at Phoenix Raceway on Sunday, November 7th at 3 p.m. Eastern on NBC. This race will be a duel in the desert with only four drivers remaining and 300 miles to go. At the end, one driver will rise above the rest to be named champion. The NASCAR Championship Race at Phoenix Raceway, Sunday at 3 p.m. Eastern on NBC. I'm Esther Dillard. And I'm Doug Davis on your home for 24-7 News, the Black Information Network. It was just a few short weeks ago, President Joe Biden was pushing private employers to adopt a vaccine mandate for all employees. My message is require your employees to get vaccinated. With vaccinations, we're going to beat this pandemic finally. Without them, we face endless months of chaos in our hospitals, damage to our economy, and anxiety in our schools. Now workers want Washington to go beyond the vaccine mandate. The AFL-CIO, along with about two dozen unions representing hundreds of workers, want the Biden administration to pressure employers to do more to protect workers. CNBC reports these groups want the feds to require private employers to improve ventilation in work areas, as well as enforce masking rules and social distancing. Union officials say companies should also be required to conduct risk assessments to determine what mitigation efforts are the best ones to adopt. More than 60 former lawmakers are urging a federal judge to reject efforts by former President Trump to block release of records from his White House pertaining to the January 6th Capitol attack. The group includes two dozen Republicans. They signed a brief claiming Trump's claim of executive privilege should not override the role of Congress in getting to the bottom of the attack on the Capitol. The legal brief claims Trump played an outsized role in orchestrating the events that gave rise to the January 6th attack. 
There's an anti-Joe Biden rap song called Let's Go Brandon that reportedly hit number one on iTunes after it was temporarily banned on YouTube for misinformation about the pandemic. Take a listen to the offending lines. Let's go Brandon. Pandemic ain't real, they just planned it. Hey, hey, let's go Brandon. You ask questions, they stop banning. Hey, hey, let's go Brandon. The song is being adopted as a favorite by conservatives because of its lyrics that criticize Biden's policies. It was once called Diller Junior High School in Yanceyville, North Carolina, Today, it's an abandoned shell far from the grandeur it was decades ago. It's named after the man who built it, Nicholas L. Dillard, who fought to get black children a place to go to school during segregation. Now the town has announced they're reviving the building, not into a school, but into apartments for seniors. HUD awarded Dream Key Partners $8.1 million to renovate the building. Town officials say they look forward to seeing it become again a vital part of the community. I'm Esther Dillard, along with Doug Davis, on your home for 24-7 News, the Black Information Network. Now here's Morgan Wood with the Healthy Minute. Medicaid coverage is expanding for pregnant and postpartum New Jersey women. It'll now cover low-income women for 12 months following the end of pregnancy instead of 60 days. U.S. Health and Human Service Secretary Javier Becerra made the announcement days ago while joined by New Jersey First Lady Tammy Murphy and New Jersey's senior Senator Bob Menendez. Becerra said it's a major effort to reduce maternal morbidity and mortality, especially among black women who suffer three to four times more pregnancy-related deaths than white women. Menendez noted the U.S. has the highest maternal mortality rate of any developed nation in the world. First Lady Tammy Murphy called the Medicaid expansion a moral imperative. That's your Healthy Minute. I'm Morgan Wood on the Black Information Network. Become a Walmart Plus member and be the first in line to shop the hottest online Black Friday deals four hours before everyone else. So yeah, Walmart Plus helps you get the gift. The first one your kid wrote on their list like five months ago. The gift that if you could just get your hands on it will make this holiday the best holiday ever. Yeah, that gift. Become a Walmart Plus member at walmartplus.com and be the first to shop online Black Friday deals four hours before everyone else with early access. Not available to trial members while supplies last. Your money on the Black Information Network. Inflation is hitting a number not seen since 1991. The Commerce Department says the personal consumption expenditures price index rose three-tenths of a percent in September. That gauge includes food and energy. The year-over-year gain was 4.4 percent, and it hasn't been that high since January 1991. A nearly 25 percent increase in energy costs contributed to the jump. The number comes just a few days after the former Treasury Secretary under former President Clinton said the Biden administration is wrong to downplay inflation. Larry Summers tweeted that there was less than a 50-50 chance that current Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen was correct in her belief that inflation levels will return to normal by next year. Gas now costs more than $3.40 a gallon. AAA national average is up past $3.40 a gallon, rising for more than 30 days in a row. The average price is now more than a dollar and a quarter higher than it was a year ago. And Americans brought home less money in September and they were more careful with their spending. Income rose two-tenths percent in August and spending was up one percent. Money news at 24 and 54 minutes past each hour. I'm Morgan Wood on the Black Information Network. You care for the house, the kids, and our future. A Shiro's day is never done. So let's start saving a little more now. Get free tips to help boost your retirement savings. Visit aceyourretirement.org. 
Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Download the BIN Daily Update every morning on the iHeartRadio app. Hi, we're the Goo Goo Dolls. We're fortunate that our daughters have what they need to grow and learn. But that isn't the case for nearly 13 million kids in the U.S. that struggle with hunger. Childhood hunger is a heartbreaking reality that Feeding America is working to change. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste and provides it to families and children in need. You can help kids in need in your community by visiting feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Not completing high school is more of a social thing than it was an academic thing. Even though all these years have passed, I still had that longing to have my diploma. At age 30, Carissa finished her high school diploma. If you're even considering getting your high school diploma, you can do it. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Pastor Joel of Heart City Church. Today we'll look at Psalm 45, a wedding psalm. And I remember well my own wedding day, July 21st, 2007. Jamie and I rented out this nice facility. We decorated up with lots of flowers. We had this beautiful arbor and lots of family and friends showed up, dressed up for the occasion. And they all took their seats. And then came the moment they were all waiting for. And all eyes turned to see the one dressed up beautifully in glorious attire. Yes, I was looking so good in my tuxedo with a flower in my lapel. <laughs> I'm joking, of course, because all eyes were fixed on the bride, my wife, Jamie. But that's not the case in Psalm 45, which we could probably entitle, Here Comes the Groom. Verses 2-4 through four describe the groom as the most excellent of men, and your lips have been anointed with grace since God has blessed you forever. Gird your sword on your side, you mighty one. Clothe yourself with splendor and majesty. In your majesty, ride forth victoriously in the cause of truth, humility, and justice. This groom is labeled as one eternally blessed by God. And he's described in terms of physical glory, having the perfections of a king. He is the most excellent, or perhaps better, more excellent than any man who has ever come before. And what's the first thing we notice about this kingly man, this kingly groom? It's his lips, lips anointed with grace. It's not his physical beauty. It's the groom's words. He speaks words that bless his hearers. And the next thing we hear is that he has a sword strapped to his side. The groom is a military man, and it is part of his glory. And it might, might not seem like glory to those of us who wish there was no war, but this is exactly the sort of military man we want. He's not a cruel warrior. Remember, he's a man of grace. The problem with victorious warriors is so often they lack grace, and they go to war for the wrong reasons. But not only is this man gracious, and his words are gracious, he is about the cause of truth, humility, and justice. And add to that, we hear about his majesty twice. He is a king. And then in verse 8, we finally hear a description of the attire we'd expect a groom who is a king to wear. Verse 8, 
All your robes are fragrant with myrrh and aloes and cassia. From palaces adorned with ivory, the music of the strings makes you glad. Daughters of kings are among your honored women. At your right hand is the royal bride and gold of Ophir. The groom is looking splendid. He has the best perfumes and he smiles as the music plays. Here comes the groom. But then we find another oddity to us Westerners. At his right hand is his mother-in-law. Your translation may say bride, but that's not right. In fact, the bride hasn't showed up yet. No, at his side is his mother-in-law and she is royalty. She's a queen. Now in verse 10, the author of this psalm begins to encourage the bride to come, to arrive, to come to the wedding, to meet the groom. Verse 10, listen, daughter, and pay careful attention. Forget your people in your father's house. Let the king be enthralled by your beauty. Honor him, for he is your Lord. Apparently, the bride has not yet walked down the aisle. She's hesitating. What's going on? Is she nervous? I remember Jamie telling me that as her father met her to walk her down the aisle, sensing she was nervous, he asked her if she'd prefer to go get a pizza instead. Fortunately for me, my wife declined on the pizza. But what's causing the bride to hesitate in Psalm 45? It's not the offer of pizza. Perhaps it's the mother-in-law standing beside the groom. Actually, the psalmist said she is afraid to leave her people and her family. And we get that, don't we? It would be hard to go to a foreign land. It would be hard to leave your family. But she decides to walk down the aisle in verse 13. All glorious is the princess within her chamber. Her gown is interwoven with gold. In embroidered garments, she is led to the king. Her virgin companions follow her, those brought to be with her. Led, her, led in with joy and gladness, they enter the palace of the king. And here comes the bride, and she now comes in with joy and gladness. <laughs> I remember my knees began knocking when I saw Jamie in her stunning gown. I actually forgot that anyone else was even there. And this bride is glorious in her golden gown, in her embroidery. And notice she's led by virgins, letting us know that she too has saved herself for her king groom. And the psalm ends on a note of praise about the groom. Therefore, the nations will praise you, singular, forever and ever. And we see that this is a wonderful day for the bride, no doubt. But this wedding day centers on the groom. This wedding song says that praise from all the world will perpetually go to this amazing king groom. And perhaps at this point, we're wondering, who is this kingly groom? Well, in the historical context, we may first think Solomon. There are so many things that do not and cannot land on Solomon, even though he was the greatest of Israel's kings in the days when the Psalms were written. Who then could this king, this groom, be? Well, the answer is found in Hebrews 1, verses 8 and 9, where we find Psalm 45, verses 6 and 7 quoted. They say, Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above all your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. And we see these words of glory rest and can only rest on one king groom, 
our Lord Jesus Christ. So friends, let you and I, let us remember, whether we're married or single, or if we're about to get married, if we are Christ followers, we are on our way to a wedding. Remember who you are and who you belong to. This is News Source 1 Michiana, Elkhart South Bend, 2022-2023.